Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. I couldn't be more excited to have my special guest on tonight. Cornbread Harris was born in Chicago, Illinois, on April 23rd, 1927. He is a great piano player and singer who has been a fixture on the Twin Cities music scene for over 70 years. I got to meet him when we both played weekly gigs at Nikki's Bar downtown Minneapolis in the early 1990s. We've been friends ever since. He was a band member of the legendary early rocker Augie Garcia in the mid-1950s for several years and will regale us about the time they opened up for Elvis Presley, among other things. He was a winner of the 2013 Sally Award for Commitment and in 2012 was inducted into the Minnesota Blues Hall of Fame. Man, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. My good friend, Cornbread Harris. Cornbread, good to see you, my friend. Good to be seen. <laughs> how, uh, how are you doing today? Oh, today I'm doing quite well. Good. Yeah. Well, I know uh, you're still playing weekly gigs. I mean, you have been ever since I've known you since the early 90s. That is true. I used to play once a week. And then I started playing twice a week. Then I started playing three times a week. Wow. And then I started adding little small gigs in between the three times a week. So I think when I was, uh, before I played the one time a week, I was retired. <laughs> but you're having a nice comeback now. This record recorded uh, at the Hook and Ladder oh, Hook and Ladder. And that's Fabulous such a gorgeous place. picture of you too Fabulous as well. place. Man, that dude over there is he's just somebody. That Chris Mazzina, he, you he heard him? and uh, Jackson Buck and the boys, they do a great job over there. That's his name. Yeah. yeah. They've got, Chris. well, tell us about, you know, you are 90 years old. You are the oldest person we've had on Wall of Power TV, next to me. Okay, next <laughs> to you. Okay. Okay, old man. Go ahead. So uh, when did you start playing piano? Uh... 19, oh, 17 or 18 years old. Okay. But I was, that was because of uh, music lessons, how I started playing piano. Uh, I went to uh, St. Bernard School. Okay. And they had, it was a Catholic school, and they had the nuns there, and they taught music lessons to the kids. So I had to go to music lessons. I didn't want to go. And I decided that I didn't want to go because uh, my friends would come to the door, and I've named James Samuel Harrison here. Could Jimmy come out and play? And my grandparents said, no, Jimmy can't come out to play. He's got to practice his music. And that, that was one bad point right there. And then the nuns decided when you make a mistake, they like to whap your hands with the ruler. I was going to ask if that ever happened. Yes, uh-huh. And I, my man, so there were two things wrong with this thing. <laughs> so, And you're a piano player. You need your fingers, right? I need my fingers in here. They're mashing them up and trying to teach me how to play with my fingers. It doesn't make sense that you're, you know, you got something you're trying to train. That harsh training is not as good as loving training. Mm -hmm. It's not as good. And you teach, too. You've taught over the years. Oh, over the years I've taught, uh, I taught at the um, Capri Theater. I uh, had classes of uh, anywhere from four to six people on an evening that would come in and I would teach as a group uh, music, all kind of music, saxophone, whatever, mm -hmm. because sounds is the name of the game. So whatever you have that you can make a sound with, that's, that's playing music. And, and you can't play it well or you can't play it well or whatever. So I take the ones who can't play it well and tell them this is your note. Mm -hmm. One the, note? Yeah, don't try to vary or do anything. And the ones who can really kick, I said, okay, you got the open feel jazz thing going here. And then I could always signal that one note guy Play your note now. So, how come you let so-and-so sit in and he can't play? What, 
What are you talking about? He can't play. He was playing. Right. Just had to play one note. He can play that one note. So uh, I just have had very good luck with uh, the retirement that I'm on. And I have very wonderful uh, blessings going all the time. So what do you remember the first music you heard out of the house? I mean, you, you grew up in Chicago. Were you able to get to, when you were old enough, any of the clubs and hear those musicians? Okay. I don't know. A second ago, I mentioned something about being bullied and crippled and everything. Uh, three years old, my parents died. Um, so I was in many foster homes. Oh, Chicago foster homes, Detroit, Kansas City, uh, St. Paul, and Minneapolis, of course. <laughs> wow. Uh, foster homes, and my finally my grandparents took me in, and uh, so I stayed there till they died on the highway after selling their automobile, Peerless Arrow. One of the finest cars that ever hit the road. And they bought a nice Rambler, almost even trade. And they took a vacation and they got killed on the highway. Oh. But they had left their home to my sister and I. I never mentioned my sister before. And uh, so I, we sold the home and she went to Denver, Colorado. And I stayed in St. Paul until I finished high school. Then I went into the service. The music, uh, my memories of my first music was about that time when I really started thinking about music. And of course, that was Hank Williams and that kind of thing. Huh. Country music. Were you listening to the Grand Old Opry? Grand Old Opry, oh man. Fabulous show. Fabulous show. I could, I can remember stuff that I can't even explain to you, you know, on our thing here now, that those people were just fabulous. The, uh, my mind's going so fast that uh, I'm just muttering now. I don't mean that's to. all right. <clears throat> you know, it's amazing. I used to <clears throat> book a, a blues club in town for about seven or eight years, mm -hmm. and it was amazing how many of the older blues cats that came from Chicago. Uh, in Detroit and uh, Mississippi, mm -hmm. how many of them uh, grew up listening to the Grand Ole Opry and yeah. love country music? Sure. And so we had country music and spiritual music because my church affiliations were Baptist, Episcopalian, okay. that kind of thing. Holy Roller, that was my biggest one. They believed in singing some songs mm -hmm. and having a good time. And so... All of these things were indelibly imprinted on my mind and psyche. So when I had my country and my spirituals, I had that listening experience. And then when I got older, where I could go to the bars and stuff, I went to uh, the Negro section, the black section, the whatever, of town in St. Paul and heard the jukebox playing the blues and the rock and roll and uh, doo-wop. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, here's another style of music. And so I, I kind of gravitated toward a blues thing mm -hmm. and found out that spirituals just fit right into there. And country, all I had to do was put in sevenths and minors Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, my country music was blues music. <laughs> and so uh, I started playing that without having the experience of being around blues music very much. And then they told me, oh, you play so authentic. Well, I play authentically what I got impressed with mm -hmm. and mixed it all up into this one style Made my own style because I didn't stay around the music very long. The cornbread gumbo. Gumbo, yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, Jambalaya Crawfish Pond. Yeah. You know, and so... Neo Mayo. Yep. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> okay, so... Uh, I when did, did you start... When did you start playing with Augie Garcia? Okay, I started playing with Augie Garcia. For those of you that don't know, Augie Garcia was probably one of the first rock and rollers in the Twin Cities. And St. We, Paul kid, right? Yeah, uh, St. Paul, West Side, they called it. Mm -hmm. Just across the river from the airport down there in the hole at the end of the bridge. And then you turned to the left and went down in the hole down there. And I lived down there a while, too, before I ever met Augie. But I happened to meet him because I played at... Um, not played, worked at American Hoist and Derrick at the end of the bridge. Across the street from American Hoist and Derrick was a bar that Augie and his drummer man, you, did you know the drummer man's name? <clears throat> okay, well, I might think of it. So it wasn't Ringo, was it? Ringo? <laughs> Ringo Starr, sure, that was him. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh but that'll, that'll come to me maybe too. But I'm so excited to be on your program and... and uh, well, this is great. I just love this history. You lived it. Yes, I did. More with Cornbread Harris, piano player and singer on the Wall of Power Radio Hour after these messages. You're going to that vengeance thing, man. Watch out. Life after military service is different. Many veterans find transitioning difficult, feeling lost and uncertain about the future. These feelings don't take away from a veteran's strength, courage, or sense of duty. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, the power of one person, one connection, one act of compassion can make a difference. For free 24-7 confidential support, call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or visit VeteransCrisisLine.net. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options, or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. Trappers use baited snares to choke animals to death. They're cheap and easy. Snares are banned in 20 states. Snares can't discriminate between wild animals and our pets. Your dog could die silently in a snare just yards away. Most Minnesotans oppose trapping, and our leaders cringe at the slightest mention of it, and yet it continues. Let's ban snaring and leave a legacy Minnesota can be proud of. Please contact the governor and your lawmakers. Do it now, today. Together we can ban the snare. Learn more at StandAgainstSnaring.com. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running April 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 350 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. When you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at 
thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. That's thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We're going to listen to a little bit of Augie Garcia's recording of High Ho Silver from 1955, featuring my guest, Cornbread Harris, on piano. And it's singing, And stop your jibbity jam Hey, come on here, baby And stop your jibbity jam Now, don't give me no fun Cause you big fat hog You don't want no talking back Now, he said that talking, talking about this and that Hey, he said that talking, talking about this and that so you're playing with Augie Garcia. Do you remember okay. what year you started with Augie? Uh, no, but I got uh, some papers that you can check on. It was probably the early 53, 54, something like that. Yeah, and 55 and 56, too. Right, <laughs> right. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a mixed band, wasn't it? You oh, had, yeah, yeah. Well, well mostly uh, Mexican and Negro and white. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's mixed. Is it? Okay. <laughs> And but so, for its time, that was a little ahead of its time. I mean, there wasn't a lot of integrated bands. Oh no, I had clubs just, back then. I had just come from being uh, terribly treated on uh, Northeast Minneapolis. Uh, you know, it was just terrible. I thought <gasps> the prejudice that was there and everything. And as as an entity, uh, and I've always loved this uh, when they take one person out of the race that even though they're prejudiced, they can't help liking that person. And, and, and so they, they use that person as a, oh, no, I'm not against so-and-so. So-and-so's my best friend. Right. You know, I said, well, <laughs> one best friend doesn't make a thing that the whole uh, universe is going to put you up as uh, a righteous human being. Uh, yeah, a righteous human being. It's not one person not going to do that for you. What were the crowds like? I mean, you're you're playing uh, oh, to a lot boy. of teenagers. Was that a mixed crowd too? Oh, that was a mixed crowd too. And that was another thing. I wondered how long that was going to last <laughs> at the time. Uh, the crowd was huge, and it was like three and four nights a week. Wow. I did. Oh, in fact, I think I earned my most money playing music when I was playing with Augie. Wow, and that was back at, uh, you had a house gig at the River Road Club. Yeah, River Road Club, Minnesota, Mendota, Minnesota. Hmm. Oh, man. Now, let's talk about when Augie and and you guys opened up for Elvis Presley. That must have been, what, 1956? Oh. Yes, yes. The, the mighty Colonel. Colonel Tom Parker. Oh, yes, okay. We were opening up St. Paul in Minneapolis at these uh, you know, big-time music venue centers. The auditoriums. Auditoriums and stuff. And so we were, I don't know how we got the job to open for the man. Well, you guys were the most popular band in town. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh. That's what I've read. Well, well, you see picture of uh, you guys playing with in Augie's band? There was hundreds, if not thousands, of teenagers at some of those dances. Oh, true, now that you mentioned it. Yeah. Okay, but uh, I don't know. I was playing the blues with Augie because he was not a fabulous guitar player. Mm -hmm. And so this added a lot to his music that he was playing rock and roll and I was sticking the blues in under it. Right. And it kind of elevated it to another different kind of music, another right. mixture. Right. You know? And well, like so, Brownie McGee says, the blues had a baby and they named it rock and roll. Yep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah, a rock and roll. So and those so Elvis, did, yeah, tell us about those Elvis gigs. That must have been something else. Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to go back to that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 
the rock and roll song that we put out on the national scene, not too national, but it went further than just St. Paul and Minneapolis. Hi-ho silver. Hi-ho silver. Thank you. You heard about that? Oh, yeah, I've heard it. The first tune, 1955, mm -hmm. year I was born. The first rock and roll song that hit so big in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. And it was based on going to Chicago, blues. So when you said the blues had a baby, right? there you are. Right. And so I'm playing going to Chicago, and toward the end of the song, uh, Woggy remembered that he had been approached to go on the road like Elvis was going, you know, mm -hmm. and to cover the rest of the United States. So at the end of my song, he says, in three more months, we're going on the road, baby. Where in the world did that come from? I'm trying to pray going to Chicago. Right. And uh, yeah, don't ask me where, because uh, I don't know, baby. And Mr. Brown, Willie Brown, I had gotten into the band, a saxophone player, come up. The Lone Ranger thing. The Lone Ranger team. And we launched into High Ho Silver. Just kind of on the spot. On the spot. This was all unrehearsed. Wow. No ever knew what was, the other person didn't know what the other person was doing. And I took that lesson into my music all the way until today. When I go on the bandstand today, I I don't have a set set list. I have a general idea out of my, I don't know, 100 songs, whatever, mm -hmm. that I'm going to play some of those 100 songs. But I don't know which ones. Right. And I don't know which when they're going to come down. So as we're band is co uh, cooperating and conversating with each other, uh, somebody will say, man, I, my daughter went to Kansas City. Kansas City, Kansas, boom. Right. That's, her, that's the next song. Right. Sparks the idea. Yeah, yeah. And so the ideas are flowing freely. The music is flowing freely. And each person is in the conversation of the music. And I don't know. just can't get enough of Paul Metzer. He's smooth, yet strong, a great mixer and very refreshing. The two gingers are his biggest fans. They're at practically every bar, club and restaurant in Minnesota to see his shows. And now they've taken to following Paul around the country. Texas, New York, Nebraska. You never know where you may find the two gingers. Just ask the bartender for them. Two gingers whiskey. What could happen? 
Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul is a perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Offering daily fresh seafood specials, fire-roasted meats, exquisite pizza, and half-priced bottles of wine on Mondays and Tuesdays, except on Excel Energy Center event nights. Once you experience their cozy fireside dining, extensive wine list, and bar, you'll be back for more. Gift certificates available, located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking, or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities gay scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It may seem odd to be thinking about air conditioners in Minnesota in March, but it is better than waiting until the middle of July when you can fry a steak on your sidewalk. Fortunately, Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is offering $1,000 or more off high-efficiency air conditioners until March 30th. Save money and spend the summer in cool and relaxing comfort. Visit StandardHeating.com for details and come visit us at the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve. March is Auto Show Month in Minnesota, and Rudy Luther Toyota has incredible deals to make. Now's the time for huge Toyota incentives, like $4,000 rebates on 2018 Avalons with interest as low as 0%. Doesn't get any lower. Rudy Luther Toyota's fair value pricing will also get you a big discount on the Hot Highlander with 0.9% financing for 60 months. Check out RudyLutherToyota.com for all the great deals going on right now. Come out and enjoy Auto Show Month at Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Tonight will be mostly cloudy with a low around 25, and tomorrow will be mostly sunny with a high near 43. Monday will have a high near 42 with a good chance of snow turning to rain throughout the day. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is Hazel's Northeast. Their dishes made from scratch are rooted in over 50 years of family tradition that are healthy, hearty, and beautifully served. Come visit them at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. And for more information, see eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metz, and my guest in the studio for the whole show tonight, piano player and singer Cornbread Harris. We chatted about the time Cornbread, while he was playing with the Augie Garcia Quintet, opened for the great Elvis Presley. I met Scotty Moore, Elvis's guitar player, mm -hmm. when he was in town about 10 years ago. But tell me about the gigs when Augie and the band opened up for Elvis Presley in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Well, that's, we were at our highest uh, thing, Geek. and so that's what you were saying earlier, that that's why we probably got the gig to, uh, uh, you know, open for the man. Right. Uh, and other than we were going to do our, we did our same stick as we do at the club, which was uh, being known in the city. This is another thing about home field advantage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Which should be the name of your next record, by the way. Homefield Advantage? Yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so we need to record that at Hook and Ladder. Yeah, there you go. Okay. One of the best new venues in town, I might add. Yeah, the who? The Hook and Ladder is one of the best new venues in uh, Minneapolis. How can you say that? Because I played there, and I've been to several shows there, mm -hmm. and that's where you recorded... This record. Oh, oh, oh. That's oh, why I know. Oh, oh, okay. okay, so let's get back to Elvis. So you open. How long was your set opening up for Elvis Presley? Well, it ended up to be a song and a half. Right, so tell the story. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, the first song was bad enough, but when Augie started dancing around in the Bermuda shorts, and uh, that was the High Ho Silver song. And, uh, you know, Six more months, we're going on the road, baby. And the audience just burst into cheers. Right. See? 
I didn't get to play my blues song before it or anything. And then Mr. Man came out, you know, like... Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah, he says, wait a minute, you guys. Hey, you're upstaging my guy here. Right. And I, we didn't bring you on to upstage. We brought you in to warm up for him. Right. Which is what you were just, that's what you were trying to do. Yeah, we, we warmed it up too hot, though. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to end up scalding the guy <laughs> instead of making it a welcome thing. Wow. So anyway, that happened twice, and so I don't know. It went down in history. And Do you remember Elvis's performance? No, we, we, we had to get out of there. Well, you didn't even get to see Elvis. We didn't get to see him. Hmm. But I had seen him often enough on the TV was coming in pretty strong. Right. And how they had cut his thing from the waist down because he was so busy swinging them hips around, mm -hmm. you know. So that was very indecent at the time. But now there's no show that you can turn on that there's some music going there. People ain't swinging their hips. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I we were, um, there's that tragic story of, I saw the picture. It was put out, it was a compilation of St. Paul Pioneer Press photos over the years. A lot of crime photos, a lot of accidents. Mm -hmm. And there was a photo of the car full of girls that was leaving a show at the River Road that Augie and you, you guys were playing mm -hmm. and went into the river in the middle of the winter. Yeah. The River Road Club had to close a little while after that because all of the years, like three or four, maybe even five, years that we played, you know, everything was running okay. Right. But that night, when they turned to go on the road going back out from the railroad club. This is conjecture again. I turned the corner, they turned the corner and slid off hmm. uh, out of the parking lot right into the river. So then the town, uh, you know, started coming down on the guy naturally because these people got killed coming out of his parking lot going into the river and he didn't have no fence around there or right. anything. So... Uh, out of all those years that nobody had had that trouble. And so when it, they did have the trouble, then the town came down on him, and it's, he just, we couldn't stay there no more. You know, there's a crazy story that relates to that very personally, because I believe all the women in that car died except for one. Yes. I got, I got that book for Christmas from my harmonica player, Sonny Earl, mm -hmm. and... There was a signed note in there, signed on the picture. The woman who survived that was the mother of one of Sonny's friends. Oh. And she told the story, and she wrote in a little note to me, that when she came to, mm -hmm. and you can imagine, it's cold, she's in a cold river, cold the car river, probably yeah. rolled, I mean, and what a just traumatic experience it all was. But the first thing she saw was Augie Garcia in his red Bermuda <laughs> shorts, and she thought she had died and gone to hell oh. and was staring Satan in the face. So, small think world. My, my Augie yeah. got reminded her of Satan? Well, he was wearing his red Bermuda shorts. Well, yeah, but I mean, he had different colors. But yeah. Well, he was wearing red that night. Yeah. <laughs> so let's fast forward. Uh, something I don't think a lot of people know is that you are the father of the great Twin Cities producer, Jimmy Jam, of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Oh, yes. Okay. Now, you, you obviously had an influence on a young Jimmy growing up. Influence on him. Yeah. Influence. I played a few notes. I showed him how to play the scale. And uh, I uh, kind of let him in on how my music lesson and how to play the song long long da 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 da, da. you know and then uh, I had played with him he was playing drums at the time a little bit uh, and these drummers come up without lessons or anything mm -hmm. they didn't get a, some sticks and start beating on any, any old pots thing pots and pans pots and pans or whatever and then they get a set of drums and they beat on them and then they find out somebody's got a band, and they edge their way in there, and then the band plays, 
and they listen a while, and then they start pounding on the drums, you know. And then after they do that for a few gigs, then they're drummers. You know, it's amazing. It's a, it's a sort of a talent that uh, you, very few people go to drum school right. to be drummers. And the ones that do don't seem to get as many gigs as, as the ones a, that don't. Yes, yes. Because the ones that go to school have this superiority complex. Oh, look at what I can do. Right. And they got names for their, their different seven-stroke roll, two-stroke roll, four-stroke right, roll, right, right. paradiddle, whatever. Right. You know, they got names for all this stuff that they're doing. And this other guy that don't have any names for it is out drumming the one that that has all these names for what they do. Well, of course, and let's remember that the immortal words of Duke Ellington, yes. it don't mean a thing if it ain't got the swing. Yeah. And these people who can put the swing into it, that's the ones I like, the drums I like. When you start playing with Augie in the late 50s, mm -hmm. what was your next move? Okay. Uh, so Augie kind of made me a little more popular and famous naturally playing with him. Uh, I got started with the group Ice Blues Band. Uh, Ice Blues Band was a cooperative thing with a drummer. Right. <laughs> that, how did that get back into the conversation? Right. And he was one of the uneducated type drummers, and he had drummed in church behind the spiritual singers and the chorus and stuff. And so he and I put together this uh, Ice Blues Band. And we got a boy and a girl, and him and I, I think, yeah, I think that was it. Because my left hand was my bass player. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And my right hand was the melody maker. And then uh, the guitar guy was pretty good at chording. So that really helps. When you have that solid chord background going, you do, man, that helps so much. And then you put that bass line under that solid chord progression. I there mean, you go. If you, can, if, if you can play tiddlywinks, it sounds good. So... I just had that good luck of, of having uh, a, a lady singer came along. Uh, Bourbon Straight Up was one of her songs. and it, that, Was this the early wrote. 60s, Cornbread? Huh? Was this the early 1960s? The Ice, the Ice Blues Band? Yeah, okay. I am very poor with dates. Everything... Who was, who was president? They had a president in them days? Well, we don't now, but we did then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I don't know. I, I didn't uh, dabble too much into the history of the United States or the history of the city or the history of the county or what. So what, uh, well, let me ask you this. What uh, clubs were you playing? Oh, my goodness. I played pizza joints, uh, out front doors of places, uh, Piece of joints. There was Name some, some of your craziest gigs you've ever played. Oh, wow. Like when you go to yourself, what the hell am I doing here? No. I was so happy to be at any of those places until the joy of getting to play someplace didn't get crazy. The crazy was going to the gig and coming home. Mm -hmm. the, the cow in the road or something. You know, the, the, those were the crazy things. Once I get into a room and they help me up to the piano nowadays, they didn't then. I, I rushed, rushed up there all by myself. But now I get a lot of help getting where I'm going. And so I don't know if you, if you saw me coming up to the place here. Oh, I sure did. I was getting help. Left and right, both sides, getting help coming up here. Well, I'm and all I needed, like right at the minute now, if I had a piano here, I'd be in seventh heaven. 
It'll make me no difference about... Well, the next time we have you on Wall of Power TV, we will have a piano here for you What do you play. mean, the next time? You're already thinking about me coming back? You might have to be my co-host. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Haven't we had enough debate? Did I hear someone say, let's wait? Why don't we get together before it's too late to put the world back together? Put the world back together. Put the world back together. Right in the country Sounds insane Smell your polluted water Feel your acid rain <laughs> Cut down your forest, why don't you Plant them back again, I said Put the world back together The number one source of the Twin Cities Gay Scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ Media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. The first sentence of his email said, I'd like to stay anonymous. And the second sentence said, I'd like to donate a million dollars to the Global Good Fund. Where should I send the check? I'm Tony Lloyd, and I'm the host of the brand new show, Social Entrepreneur. If you love stories that engage, inform, and inspire, you don't want to miss it. Join us every Monday from 7 to 8 a.m. right here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. As with their Eat Street sister on Nicollet Avenue, the Bad Waitress at 700 Central and Northeast is committed to working with local purveyors and serving organic food whenever possible. But the Northeast location is a bit more grown up. This finer diner has a full bar serving craft cocktails and a brand new inventive dinner menu, including the chicken and waffle, with roasted half chicken, bourbon pickled jalapeno corn waffle, and a roasted poblano gravy. Check out the Northeast menu at thebadwaitress.com. We are back, and we are looking at a pretty lopsided matchup, Jim. That's right, Ron. I mean, in one corner, we've got a 175-pound guy, and in the other, a 6,000-ton heavyweight train? Jim, this guy has no idea what he's getting himself into. It's no contest. Every day, people tempt fate and die trespassing on railroad tracks. See tracks, think train. Crazy about pets? We are too. The Pet Connection Show is a great venue for fun, informative, and creative conversations about pets. Join myself, Kathy Menard, and Dr. Nicole Parole, along with guests who are leaders in the dynamic and growing pet industry, as we discuss health care, relationships, behaviors, and even political issues as they relate to our pets. So come, sit, stay for the Pet Connection Show, Sundays 11 a.m. to noon on AM 950 Radio, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Let's be real, guys. A nice suit outperforms jeans and tees any day of the week. And at the JCPenney Men's Wardrobe Sale, with 50% off select suits, sport coats, dress pants, and more, you can dress the part without spending a ton. Check out Collection by Michael Strahan exclusively at JCPenney. And visit the Big and Tall Shop for sizes up to 5XL and 54-inch waist in-store. Plus, save an extra 20% off with your JCPenney credit card and coupon. JCPenney, style and value for all. $1.315 to $321. Some exclusions apply. Subject to credit approval. See store jcp.com for details. Hi, welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. One more segment with the great Cornbread Harris. This is your host, Paul Matza. Cornbread, you are such a part of the fabric of the Twin Cities music scene. And you're still playing regularly. You play every 
Friday night at the Loring Pasta Bar in Dinkytown. That is correct. It's rising out like Phoenix out of the ashes. Out of the ashes. Six yeah. to nine every Friday. <clears throat> every second Saturday of the month, uh, six to nine at Hell's Kitchen, a great restaurant downtown. Oh, they got it going on. Yeah. I didn't, if I, even if, if I wasn't there, they would be going great guns. In a, one of the largest Bloody Marys in the world. That thing stacks like that. Oh, Have you seen them? Oh, I didn't pay no attention to that. I'm, I drink cornbread specials. Which is what? Cranberry, pineapple, and orange. Ooh, that's healthy. Yes. Uh, and then you've got, a, you've got a great show coming up at the Hook and Ladder where your record was recorded. Mm. The uh, Deep Blues Festival mm. on July 14th, and that's going to be a fundraiser uh, for the Hook and Ladder. But you also do a lot of... Uh, Gigs that aren't in clubs. You do. You play twice a week at nursing homes. Yes, I do. Uh, open Circle Augustana, uh, but they have a thing called Circle of Prayer, and so I play behind the singers, and that is a fun thing. You never know what key you're going to be in. Right. Whoever starts out the song, now you got to try to find out which key they're in. Right. And then before the song is over, at least be able to play the right closing chord. <laughs> <laughs> Meet them at the end, right? Yeah. You know my favorite key? Be satisfied. Be satisfied. You're playing oh, the key? Oh, I was thinking of the drunks. Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you played a song, and every time I seen you in it, because we did the uh, 2013 Sally Awards, you got an award for commitment at the Ordway, and mm. I was there to salute the late, great Sue McLean. Mm. And every time I see you, I ask you to play that song, Ghost Ship. Mm. You remember that one? Kind of do. It's a really minor blues. Minor very blues. Very spooky. Mm -hmm. Boy, if we had a piano, I'd ask <clears throat> you to play it here today. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, took the minor out of the ghost ship, and, and I go, blue, 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 blues. As many times as you want to say blue, that's cool. So it's not cut in stone how many times the first part is, but blues is my original thing, and I just ramble back and forth from whatever melodies happen to come to my head mm -hmm. and play partial of them, not, not the whole whatever it is. Because that's another thing that I'm trying to get over to my saxophone player. You have to cut your riff off from another song, when the chord changes, you might have to move the riff over to fit into the chord mm -hmm. instead of just bumbling along on a crash uh, way, uh, you know, crashing. Um, well, anyway, you come to a culmination that's a, that's a catastrophe. Peanut butter <laughs> and jelly, you know? You think, wow, this guy can really play. And that's another thing about that particular thing. If you understand your audience, because they're who make you, you can play your same songs, whatever you want to play. If they like them, then you're in. Right. And if you play your own songs and they don't like them, then you're not in. So if you can find out somewhere along the line what songs they dig the most and play those, then hey, now you got it. You'll be working. You'll be working. And I think I work a day or two a month, I think. So, no. And so, this is what I want to tell my rest of my uh, musician friends play for your audience, not for yourself. But whatever it is that they like, if you can possibly do it, at all. Try to do it. Yeah, ask your uh, person that comes up to the stage, can you play Moon Over the Sun? What? Moon Over the Sun? Uh, how's it go? Go. Oh, thank you. Okay. So now you sit down there. Boop, 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 boop. Now they're elated that, that you tried to play the song that they requested. Mm -hmm. Try to please them. Play just a little bit, yeah. even if that's all you can do. Yeah. And, and 
I, my band is catching on to my little trick that I do. It's not a trick, though. This is seriously how I feel about my audience. You're not anything, and I've shared it in our interview. This has come up already before. You're not anything without that audience. You're not anything. You can play in your living room, dining room, bathroom, whatever. Right. All the same stuff. But when you take that bathroom, living room stuff out and 40,000 people come out to hear you do it, oh, wow, look at this big star. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Right? Plus you can't pay yourself. So yeah. that's the other part of having a good audience, right? Yeah. What would you tell a young musician coming up? Because it's... The time you came up and even the time I came up and I'm, I'm 30 years younger than you mm -hmm. uh, when live music was really revered mm -hmm. sometimes was. I fear that it's being devalued because there's so many other alternatives for kids these days video games, computers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You name it. Mm -hmm. But what would you tell a young boy or young girl that wants to get into music? What would you tell them to pay attention to? Well, I would tell them uh, to be generous, kind, loving, unselfish. I mean, this is the things, the traits that endear you to people. I mean, power over the people does not endear you. Yeah, uh, being subservient to people is what endears you. I, I remember at the uh, awards, Sally Awards, when I stood up there, I think the most uh, remembered sentence of my presentation and thank you was, if you want to be a star, be a giver. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show was produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Paul Sowie, and we'd like to thank our guest, the lovely Cornbread Harris. The show was brought to you in part by Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation. If you'd like to find out where I'm playing and come out and say hello, go to paulmetza.com. I'd like to thank everybody that said hello to me at the Blue State Ball, and like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.